Well, we want Brother Jason to feel liberty and if good Lord would lead him, we're certainly praying for him. We appreciate that. We certainly need your prayers. Appreciate the opportunity to come again. I, I, I was amazed when we got the call to come back. I said, man, these people must be a glutton for punishment. I tell you, we come at the beginning of the year and you know, I felt for sure next time they call Brother Looper or somebody to come over here. And I tell you, but I do appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity to come back. I enjoyed last time. It was a blessing. And, uh, you know, last time we come, we tried to encourage the young kids to get up and sing. And it was a blessing to see them do it again. And I want to encourage them to continue. And uh, if you don't like singing by yourself, we'll invite some more to come up here with you. So uh, that's how you answer that problem. But we appreciate each and every one of you. It's good to see those from Oral. Glad to see those. You know, I, when I first saw them, I was thinking, well, that's 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 Centerville, because every time I saw them, that's where they were at during our revivals there. And, but uh, we're thankful for each and every one of you. It's good to see our preacher brethren here. Uh, I tell you, it means a lot to us to have you here. I no doubt you could be doing something else with your time, but we do appreciate you, and you certainly pray for us. We need your prayers. Uh, but tonight, we, we, we took a long time to get settled on the message, and the reason I say it took a long time is, well, it... I just got through preaching this, and, and you know I just couldn't get away from it. I don't know if it's still on our heart and mind or whatever it may be, but if it's it's for one of you here, I don't know. But this is what the Lord put on our heart to to uh, maybe try and bring out tonight, and uh, so we'd like to try and do that. But uh, certainly we'd need your prayers. We're we're nothing without the Lord. We all know that, and uh, we enjoyed the good singing. And uh, I was thinking about the songs even he sang without the blood, and and you know. Pretty much all the songs tied together, and basically without him. So uh, we we certainly know that we're nothing without him. So. But you pray for us. We're going to turn to, if you would, in, in, in your Bibles, Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. Before we begin reading, though, we'd like to bow again in a word of prayer. But Lord, we come to you again, the Lord. Just thank you for the day, the many blessings you've given us, the Lord. Thank you for keeping us safe on the roads and highways here. Lord, just thank for each and every home that's represented, every head that's bowed. Lord, just thank for the good meal that was prepared for us tonight. Lord, it's such a blessing uh, to be in that house. Lord, I just pray that you continue to bless. Lord, I just pray that you bless uh, each brother here tonight. Lord, I know that they, they had plenty of things they could be doing, Lord, but I appreciate them taking the time to be here. And Lord, and helping and, and encouraging. Lord, it's just a blessing and honor. And I pray that you bless them for their fruits and their uh, in their labor, Lord. I pray that you would uh, continue to bless Brother Glenn, as he labors here, Lord, give him fruits for his labor. Lord, I just pray that you'd help the church. You know what they need. I, I, I couldn't tell you what they need. You already know. But Lord, I pray that you'd help them in a special way. Lord, I pray that you'd help us tonight, guide us in the words and wisdom to speak, that uh, Lord would be pleasing to you. And Lord, we'd never preach in fear or favor of no man. But Lord, we just say that your will be accomplished. And Lord, I pray for all those that are sick. I ask interest in our prayers. Lord, you know what each and every, every home, every heart needs. Lord, I know every place we go, there's so many prayer requests. So many in need of you. Lord, I just pray that they would turn to you and look to you. And Lord, just to say your will be done and, and, and help, help your will be accomplished no matter what it may be. And help us to accept that will. Lord, I pray these things in your name for your worthy. Amen. Amen. Genesis 22, and we just start with verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that God did tip Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I. And he said, Take now thy son and thy only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. 
And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clayed the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went into the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together, and they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there, and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him upon the altar, uh, upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hands, and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called, out, uh, called him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thy only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. Let's start reading there in verse 13. The message we try, like to try and get across tonight is, is the sacrifices that we give. You know, I, I'm here to tell you that there's been so many things that uh, I, I may have sacrificed for in life. There's things that I've done that I, I was willing to do, uh, willing to sacrifice for, to have things that I wanted. You know, there's things that, you know, maybe... I, I, I've been quick to tell most everybody that when I got out of high school, I didn't go to college. I, I didn't want to go to college. I wanted to be a salesman. I knew that I wanted to be a salesman. I wanted to go out and I wanted to make my million and, and you know, get the two-story house, the white picket fence, the nice vehicle, and that was my dream. That's what I wanted, you know, and certainly that was my ideas. And there was a lot of things that I sacrificed to, to be willing to get what I wanted. You know, there were hours that I could have spent at home with the family. But instead, I can think of times that I was in the oil field working many hours, well over 80, sometimes 100 hours a week, trying to get what I wanted. I sacrificed time with my family to get our dreams, to get our goals. And it wasn't just my dream. My wife, I'm sure, would be pleased with that as well. She, she you know, she kind of likes the nicer things of life too. But, you know, no doubt that I sacrificed a lot of things to try and get my dream, to, to reach the goals that I wanted. And, and know that... You know, the Lord had other plans for us, and, and those dreams and goals are probably uh, not reality anymore. But the more I read, the more I study, the closer I get to the Lord, the more I realize those, those realities were, were, uh, were useless realities anyway. They're, they're of no good. They're, they're going to be something that will eventually burn up. And it says, you know, not to lay your treasures where moth and rust doth corrupt, and thieves break through and steal. So, you know, in reality, they weren't good dreams anyway. But... You know, I put in a lot of stuff to sacrifice for those things. And, you know, we got the opportunity to go eat with uh, Brother uh, Wayne tonight. And I know he wouldn't mind me picking on him a little bit. But, you know, Brother Wayne, I, I can assure you, if you used to ask Sister Sheila, how, how many dollars of, or amount of dollars he has sacrificed to get the collector cars that he's wanted? You know, or the things that he sacrificed to maybe have the, the, the life that he's got? 
I'm sure she'd say he sacrificed a lot. Not only did he sacrifice a lot, but I did too. You know, it might have been some time she might have wanted to buy a pretty dress or something, but it went in the car, didn't it, Sister Sheila? <laughs> but you know, yeah, no doubt that every one of you, I could pick on each and every one of you. I could go through the building. I know that uh, little Junior there, little Everett, Brother Everett, he's probably the same way. These things that he wants to do, and, and I'm sure they've sacrificed to, to meet those goals. And, and you know, and every one of us here that's had kids or had children, I know most of you have, or at least experienced uh, some sort of relation with children. There's a lot of things we sacrifice for our children, aren't they? Every one of us, we're willing to sacrifice whatever it takes for our children. You know, I love my children. i got both of them here tonight, and they're a blessing to me. I love them. I think a lot of them. You know, something was mentioned about vehicles a while ago at, at supper, and I said, you know, I, I'm on foot. I said, what do you mean you're on foot? I said, well, Miss Amber's got a car. She, she owns the expedition outside, and, you know, and my son, he's got a 77 model pickup, which we don't really want to drive because it ain't got, it don't have, let me rephrase that, y'all. I'm from Mississippi, y'all have to forgive me. Ain't got, it don't have a lot of miles on it. It's only 38,000 miles on this 77 model pickup, so we don't want to put any miles on it. So it's not one that I want him to put radios in, and you know what all the boys, the young men want, they want to, I said, no, 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 we're not going to do that to this one. So in order to keep him from doing that, I was willing to sacrifice. I said, well, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to let you have my truck, and you go ahead and you fix it up the way you want, how you want it. And, you know, no questions asked. It's yours. And so I'm on foot. <laughs> but I'm willing to sacrifice that. Well, why is that? Because I love my son. Amen. You know, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to let him know that. You know, and I do the same for my daughter. I, I plan to do the same for her. I hope she don't get in no hurry by no means, but uh, certainly. But, <laughs> you know, I'm willing, to, I'm willing to sacrifice a lot of things. And I've seen a lot of parents sacrifice a lot of their dreams, a lot of their wants, you know, a lot of wishes. I've heard of parents that's wanted to be maybe, I, I know a lot of them, it's sad to say that there's been some that's wanted to be country singers. You know, and they'd sacrifice. That, that, uh, they'd give that up because, well, you know, unsuspectingly, I've got a little one on the way. So they'd give that dream up. Maybe their passion was to go and do something, whatever it may be, and they would sacrifice those dreams for their children. You know, and I know everybody here has sacrificed in one way or another. I know your mamas, you've sacrificed a lot of sleepless nights, haven't you, to raise those babies, you know, to care for them, to let them know you love them. You've sacrificed a lot of things. You've been without. There's been times that I've seen my mama even, you know, sacrifice so I could be as big as I am tonight, you know. She, she, she would leave food on the table just so that we could have it. And she'd say, I'm not really hungry tonight. You know, and I'm sure you probably can say the same. But, you know, we all sacrifice a lot, don't we? But, you know, when it comes down to it, when it comes down to sacrificing for the Lord, we, we tend to shy away, don't we? Well, that's a little bit different story, you know. I, I expect God's blessings, and I want God's blessings, and I want Him to give me the good things of life, and I want those things, and I, you know, sometimes I need those things. But when it comes down to it, we're just not willing to sacrifice to get those things. And I want to explain that a little bit better. I, I don't want to, you know, just leave you hanging there. But, but that's, what, that's why we come in this story with Abraham. You know, Abraham, he promised Abraham uh, a son. And Abraham had gotten old. Well, here he's got a son. It's his only son. And, and now it says the Lord is going to tempt Abraham. And he says, Abraham, what I want you to do is I want you to kill your only son. I want you to offer him up for a sacrifice. And now, for me, that would immediately 
that, that, that's a, I, no sir, Lord, you know, I love you and there's a lot of things I'd be willing to do for you, but we'll wait just a minute. You know, my son, my only son. And then of course, you know, if you read your Bible, the Lord promised Abraham uh, through his seed the, about the, 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 the nations and what all. But uh, anyway, you know, so, and Lord, look, you promised that through, through my seed these things would happen and, and, and here we are and you want me to kill him. Well, this, Lord, this just doesn't make sense. But, you know, you didn't ever hear that from Abraham, did you? Well, okay, Lord, you, you gave him to me. So, you know, all right, well, well, tell me where you want me to go. And he didn't just tell him to go. I mean, it says three days journey. <laughs> he didn't just tell him to go over the hill. Did he? he said, go. I mean, three days journey. He said, go to the place I'll show you. So he showed him, and it apparently, like I said, it took him three days to get there. But, you know, I, I love Abraham's faith. I love the way Abraham was willing. You know, you can read there in, in uh, I believe it's verse 5. Yes, verse 5. It says, And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here, uh, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship. This is my favorite part. Look at his faith here. He says, And come again to you. Amen. Ain't that something? Yeah. I mean, he had, no, he had no doubt in the Lord at all. He already knew immediately that the Lord was going to provide. I mean, that kind of faith. But, you know, he was still willing to do it. He was still willing to sacrifice. He, he, evidently, he said, well, Lord, you know, it didn't matter. Whatever, your will be accomplished. And so here he goes up the mountain with the boy. To the point he's even got him bound. Maybe laying him on the altar. You know, I don't know. The fire might have already been lit. I, I don't know how the procedure exactly went. But maybe, you know, maybe he's already there. And, and I mentioned this before that you know the young man had been to enough of these that even he realized something was off, something wasn't right. You know, Dad, look, we we got the knife, we got the firewood, we got we got everything, but but where's where's the sacrifice? So that's another thing, you know. Evidently, he had spent some time with him. He 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 was able to uh, teach him these things, and and that's good. You know, we as parents we need to do that. We need to teach our children. Amen. We need to teach them the Bible. We need to teach them how to sing. You know, because this is the church of tomorrow. And, and we need to sacrifice our time and spend it with them that they could be the church of tomorrow. Because if you don't take the time to teach them, who will? Well, certainly nobody. And the world is just, just waiting for them. The world is ready and willing to sacrifice their time to, to spend with our children and, and teach them their ways. You better believe it. But nonetheless, here he is. And he's already got the knife drawn back. And the angel comes and says, wait, wait, wait. I, I can see. I can see your faith. I see your fear, your trust. Get him off that altar. And he did. And he provided, didn't he? Amen. I, could you imagine that blessing? I can't imagine how they must have felt. So my Lord just pulled through again. You know, so I say all that to say, what are we sacrificing for the blessings of the Lord? You know, he saw a great blessing that day. His son was spared, but he had the faith enough to know that God was going to spare him. But, you know, we all claim that we have faith in God, don't we? Everyone, I'd say the majority of the folks here tonight claim to be saved, claim to be Christians, and Christian means Christ-like. We all claim that, don't we? Well, in order to do that, we had to do what? We had to have faith in God, didn't we? We had to trust Him. So I would have to say that everybody here that's saved has had faith in God. Just as Abraham had faith in God. But I think our faith is not quite as strong as his. But 
here we go. We've all had faith in the Lord. And we know that if we'll do what the Lord tells us to, that He'll bless us. That we'll see good blessings, great blessings, not just good blessings, great blessings. So there's nothing good that, 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 that is given unless it's given through the Heavenly Father. You know, so here we are. Having faith in the Lord. And He provided. You know, we know that. The Bible tells us that, doesn't it? Tells us that, that the Lord's going to provide for us. And yet, so many times we have that lack of faith, don't we? I think last time I told you I was here that I gave up my job there at Crane Tractor August of last year. And that took a lot of faith. I tell you, that was a comfortable job. It was a cushion job. I sat right there on a bar stool. Sister Sheila can tell you she come in so many times. She was a good customer of mine. And some of you others were too. You know, I had it made. Sat there on a computer and and just enjoy it. I got to enjoy talking with everybody. I mean, it was a, it was a good job. But one day I went to stand up to tell people to have faith and trust in God. Be willing to forsake all and follow Him. And then it hit me. Well, I hadn't really forsaken much. You know, I still got a good job. I got a decent church. I got, you know, family. I really, I really hadn't sacrificed anything for the Lord. But yet I'm still seeing His blessings. You know, and I kind of, kind of felt bad about that. You know, here I was reaping all those benefits. And yet, I really wasn't doing anything for the Lord myself. I wasn't, I wasn't sacrificing anything. But yet, He continued to bless. You know, have you ever felt that way? Amen. Well, you should. Well, that very message that I was going to preach, to have faith in God and forsake all and following, when I was talking about the men to put, cast down their nets and, and leave their families behind and follow, well, that got the burden in me. And here I was supposed to be preaching to everybody else. Have faith in God and trust Him and... You know, be willing to let go of those things and here I am, <laughs> preaching to my own self. I gave up that job. I just had faith in the Lord. I was willing to sacrifice that job. Was it something I wanted to do? No way. I told you my plans, my job, what I wanted to do, how I wanted things. I wanted the good job. I wanted the, the, I wanted the big house and the picket fence. That's what I wanted. But the Lord had other plans. You know, I'm sure Abraham could have said, Lord, you know, I wanted that child and now you're going to take him away from me? He could have. But he didn't. You know, and giving that up, having that faith, I saw blessings. My son was saved in that revival the very week that I told the church that, look, Lord's burdened me to, to leave my job. I want you all to pray for me. We was in revival. And my son got saved in that revival. I saw those blessings. Now, what would happen if I hadn't had faith in the Lord and followed Him? He might would have still blessed us. I don't know. But, you know, I was willing to sacrifice. And I was thankful for that. And I know without a doubt in my heart that that's what the Lord wanted us to do. And He was just waiting for me to let go before He would just say, I'm just to pour the blessings out on you. What are you willing to sacrifice tonight? You know, the Lord is standing ready to, to shower you with the blessings. <laughs> But you know what's happened? So many of us have had lack of faith in the Lord. We don't depend on the Lord. And we, we live in fear. You know, I, I like the way he said that. He said that uh, he provided, and then we come down, and uh, I believe it was in verse 12. Yes, verse 12. He says, I know that thou fearest God. You know, I was afraid of everything else. I was afraid of what would happen. What else? The. the I was afraid of all those things. But instead, I should have been afraid of God. When God told me to do something, I should just go out and do it. I shouldn't question. I should just, yes sir, Lord, here I go. 
But I wouldn't. And I would have those fears. And because of that, well, well, Lord, if I quit my job, I'm going to lose my insurance. If I lose my insurance, if I get sick, what's going to happen? Well, Lord, you know I've got to provide for the family. What, what if, you know, what happens if the church doesn't support well? Well, Lord, what if, you know, I wanted to ask him a lot of what ifs. <laughs> Y'all ever done that? I'm sure you have. Not just you preacher, brother, but I know all you here have done that. Well, Lord, what if, if you know, if it, you're burdening me to change jobs, and Lord, I, this job looks better, and but this job... Well, Lord, you know, it's getting retirement time, but if I, you know, we've all done it. But there I am with the decision to make. Instead of fearing God, I was afraid of the what ifs. Lack of faith. But sacrificing it was worth everything. And it's been worth everything. It's been a blessing. I want to ask you tonight, what are you willing to sacrifice to see blessings from the Lord? What are you willing to do? You know, he says where your heart is, there your treasure will be. Or your treasure is where your heart is. What? Where is your heart at today? What are your, what are your thoughts on every day? Is it more on the things that you're playing, uh, what you want, how you want it, when you want it? Or do you try to more focus on what God wants and God's will and God's way and how He wants things? And you know, if that's the case, we should be willing to sacrifice a lot more than we do, shouldn't we? You know, I'm here to tell you, there's been times that, that growing up that I, I haven't always been a preacher. I haven't always been one to want to be in church every service. I've never been one that, you know, when revival was going on, I might hit and miss. I didn't want to put that sacrifice. I didn't want to do that. Let somebody else go. That man ain't even going to miss me anyway. I bet he don't even know I'm here. So I wouldn't go. I wouldn't put forth the sacrifice to be there. But at the same time, you know, I could have been a blessing to someone if I had sacrificed. I've seen grown men sacrifice their vacation time to be at church. I, I, I never was one of those. And I felt bad about that. I see them sit there on the pews and they'd be there. I wasn't willing to sacrifice my vacation time to be in church. You know, that, that hits home, doesn't it? Amen. To be willing to do that. Well, isn't it worth it? Amen. Well, sure it is. Because what's the Lord willing to do for you? What has He already done for you? If you claim that you've trusted Him, what has He done for you? You know, the things that He'll do for you, if you're just willing to sacrifice and, and, and just say, Lord, Your will be accomplished. Your will be done. And that you'll just give up whatever it is that your dreams are, and you'll follow Him. You'll see blessings flow. You know, I'm here to tell you, those fears that I had, those anxieties, the, the worries, the stress, I still see stress. But you know when I see stress? When I lose the lack of faith. That's the only time I see stress is when I lose the lack of faith. When I go saying, how am I going to do this? How am I going to accomplish this? How am I going to achieve this? Because then I realize, well, Lord, <laughs> I'm not going to do any of that anyway unless you let it. <laughs> so... If I'll take a step back and realize that He's in control of everything and I'm not in control of nothing, then those anxieties and stress go away. You know, we can read about the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, temperance, God. All those things that we all want, right? We all want the fruits of the Spirit. I, I can't think of a one in here that don't want joy in their life. That that's just be sat well. Oh, Brother Glenn might not want no joy. He, he's funny, but... You know, I, everybody wants joy. Everybody wants peace. 
And everybody wants to be loved and show love. You know how you get those things? You sacrifice what you want and do what God wants. Because I'm here to tell you, this world, though you may think that, you know, you know what's going to bring me happiness? That big house, that picket fence. You know, if I just had, instead of having 100 head of cow, if I had 300 head of cow, I would, I'd be happy. And then I'd have that love, joy, and peace. And I heard, uh, I guess somebody at supper tonight said something about having 100 hogs. That would not bring me happiness. <laughs> you know? but, but to somebody, evidently. But, you know, if I had 100 hogs, I'd be happy. You know, boy, I'd have bacon forever. That, that's, I love bacon. That's bacon for life right there, 100 hogs. But, you know, when it gets down to it, that, that doesn't really bring happiness, does it? You know, and the more I've heard, the, the more you own, the more responsibility you have, and the more responsibility you have, the more stress and heartaches and trouble you have, right? Well, that's what I understand. I've never been rich and never owned a lot, had a lot, but from what I understand, the more you have, the more troubles you have. So, I'm here to tell you the material things of this world are not going to make you happy. You're not going to find the joy that you're looking for. You know, my father-in-law, he's not here, and y'all don't tell him I'm talking about him, because he don't like to, he, he's a bashful kind of quiet guy. He's like my wife. But he's got to uh, old age. And he's got to the point that, well, he's considering retirement. And come January, he, he says, he's been saying this for five years, but he says he's going to retire. Well, you know what he's looking at? He's looking for things to find him some joy now that he's retired or retiring. We go to the mountains here a couple weeks ago, and he says, pull over in that, that car a lot. He's looking at a Corvette the old man can't even get in and out of. <laughs> Ain't that something? Well, that would bring me joy. That's going to bring me happiness. That's going to make me feel good. Man, I'm going to look young again. You know, I always wanted one of these. Reckon how long that's going to bring him joy? Probably four or five rides of him getting in and out of that thing. He's going to decide, I don't want this. And me and Corey can, can put dibs on who's going to drive it next. <laughs> but that's not going to bring him happiness, is it? I can tell you it ain't. Well, what if he decides, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go and I'm going to buy a big old pontoon boat. And I'm going to go up there to Branson, Missouri, and I'm going to park that thing right in the middle of Table Rock Lake. And I'm going to enjoy it. He may enjoy it for a little while. But then eventually that thing's going to need maintenance, ain't it? And eventually he's going to have problems with it. And before you know it, you ain't going to be happy. But you know what will make you happy? Sacrificing your wants and your dreams for what the Lord wants you to do. Amen. And I'm here to tell you, in doing so, the Lord's recording everything we do. Do y'all know that? Amen. Every day you get up, He's recording you. Every time you say those four little words that you shouldn't say, He's recording that. Every time you do things you shouldn't do, He's recording that. I, you know, I've always in my mind, I've always imagined he's got a big old projector screen. He rolls that thing out and it comes on there and says, Brother Jason, this is your life. And he hits play. Oh, Lord, will you fast forward past that? I know what happened that day. You know, oh, oh, Brother Glenn ain't around because he's going to hear what I thought about him that day. You know, we're all going to face that, aren't we? The Bible proves it. The Bible tells us that, that we're going to face that. You believe that? Amen. Well, I'm here to tell you tonight, we need to be careful what we do. We need to be willing to sacrifice some things so that one day when we get there, we're going to have blessings. Y'all ever heard of Dave Ramsey? I don't know. Y'all probably never heard of him. He's a financial advisor on the radio. I used to love listening to his show. 
I, some of the people call in with some of the debts that they had, and they just it got me. Y'all, I'm just it's just funny. But he had a he had a slogan that he'd say. He'd say, "Live like no one else, so later you can live like no one else." I love that slogan. I thought that was the greatest thing. Live like no one else, so later you can live like no one else. And what he was teaching them was, look, sure, you know, Brother Glenn's got the Mercedes and Lexus and the, and the you know BMWs over here and all these great things, but he's in debt up to his eyeballs, you know. So for you, what you want you to do is you live within your means, and then you live like no one else. So later you can live like no one else. You know, you can enjoy those things. Well, I'm here to tell you that applies to our spiritual life. You know that? There's going to be times that we're going to have to sacrifice some things on this earth to gain things over there. But what I'm, what I'm trying to ask you tonight is what are you willing to sacrifice? How far are you willing to go for the Lord? What are you willing to do? Are you willing to burn the tires off your car inviting people to church? Are you willing to go to hospitals and visit on people? Everybody says that's a preacher's job. Why, how did that become a preacher's job? To go and visit every sick person in the hospital. Man, I love to visit people. I love to talk with people. My wife would tell you, I, I get to the hospital and I can't get away. I'll be there for hours. And she's saying, look, they're telling you to shut up and leave. You know, I, I don't mind visiting with people whatsoever. I don't mind that sacrifice. I, I enjoy it. And the reason I enjoy it is because I enjoy people. You know, my, we, we have something in common. And I love to talk with people. And, and share God's Word with them. And, and just, I don't know. But anyway, but that's not just a preacher's job. We as individuals, just a normal person. Hey, brother folk, if I got sick and I'm laid up in the hospital and I saw you come in, it just blessed my heart. You know that? It would. And I'm not just picking on him. He may do that. I don't know. But, you know, it would do my heart good. Now, I know there's some people that says, I don't want you up in there when I'm sick and when I'm, I don't want nobody bothering me. And that's fine. I understand that. But send them a card. You know, sacrifice some of the things that you want to do for the things that God would have you to do. Be willing to lay down some of the things for uh, yourself to do for others. You know, I always read a verse and it, and it, it means a lot to me. And now it really means a lot to me. It says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for a friend. I always thought that literally meant death. That he had to be shot. And I'm thinking, well, that is a pretty good friend, or was a friend, because now he's dead. But, you know, I always thought, well, that was, that's a pretty, I mean, that's a no-brainer. Greater love had no man than this, that he laid down his life for a friend. Huh? Well, that's pretty true. But now, when we talk about living and sacrificing, greater love had no man than this, that he laid down his life for a friend. You know, I have a life, but Glenn has a life. But Glenn's life different than my life. I do things that Brother Glenn don't do. You know, you do things that Brother Glenn don't do. We all have different lives, don't we? We all live separate, separate lives every day. So that's life, isn't it? And it says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for a friend. It doesn't say you have to be dead, does it? It doesn't say that. You can still be alive and lay down your life to go help a friend. How many of us on Saturday say, well, my yard needs mowing. You can't even find the car in the yard. So I'm going to mow my yard. And you look over and poor Brother Glenn's in his back in his walker out there trying to weed eat his yard. But, you know, my yard needs mowing too, Brother Glenn, so praying for you, brother. And I'm not saying Brother Glenn's told off on any of y'all. I hope you're not saying that. 
I'm just using it for an example. But what I'm trying to say is, are we willing to lay down our life to be a blessing to others? Because you know that's what God expects of us. That's what God wants of us. Is to put down what we want and do what He wants. Do what He'd be pleased with. Now certainly, wouldn't He be pleased with that? Does that grass matter? It really don't. You know, you already can't find your car. It doesn't matter anyway. It's already that deep. So what's a little bit more going to hurt? You know? Put the lawnmower down and get a hay mower. But, you know, but going to help someone, that means something, doesn't it? That makes a difference. And not only does that make a difference, let me tell you how it makes a difference. It opens up a window of opportunity. I ain't saying that you got to go help a, a saved person go help a saved person. What if you got a next door neighbor that's lost? Maybe he's never been to church. You see him struggling with something. You lay down your life and you, you go over there and you go help him. And you encourage him and you're a blessing to him. Eventually the door of opportunity is going to open up and you're going to say, well brother, look, I, I've been helping you a little while and you know I've come to like you and we're friends and everything, I, I would say. and Look, I, I've never asked you this, but can I ask you a personal question? Do you know the Lord? You know, do you go to church anywhere? Well, if you don't, I'd like to, to invite you to, to our church and just come. I mean, they're just normal people like, well, abnormal people like me, and we'd love to have you come. And you know what? Now, if you're over there mowing your yard, you're watching him out there struggle, and you decide, well, I'm going to go over there and invite him to church. And you do the same invitation. Which one's going to mean more? The one where you lay down your life to help him, or the one where you done what you wanted to do and then went and invited him. I can tell you which one's going to mean more. Because I've got a saying that I love to say. No one cares how much you know till they know how much you care. They don't. You know? Brother Adam could be a, a, a scholar in the Bible. You know what? I don't care. <laughs> I don't care what Brother Adam knows. So what? But, Brother Adam cares for me. And you know I know that? Because he's called, he's checked up on me. He says, brother, how you doing? Everything well? We're praying for you, brother. And I do the same to him because I do. I respect him, I love him, and appreciate him. And I let him know that. So then now that I know that he actually cares, when he has something to tell me, you know what, I'm interested. Well, tell me, brother, what's the problem? What's going on? What's the situation? How can I help you? Can I pray for you, you know? I ain't got much money, but what I got yours, you know? I'm willing to listen. Because I know that he cares about me. I also care about him. Isn't that true? Amen. Now every time you walk around somebody and they got their old hands, you don't care what they know, do you? You know, I, I've had some preachers that's been a blessing to me because they act like they care. And then I've had some to come tell me, son, look, if, you, if you'd have just said, you know, if you'd have just... Because they didn't come to me in the right way. I didn't care what they had to say because they didn't come in a caring way. Now, is that wrong to me? Maybe so. Maybe I should listen, and sometimes I do, but I take it the wrong way. We all do that, don't we? Every one of us. Nobody cares what you know until they know how much you care. What are you willing to sacrifice to be used of the Lord to receive the blessings that He's ready to just pour out on us? They're there. That love, the joy, the peace, the long-suffering, the gentleness, the meekness, those things that you're wanting in your life, the things that you're trying to buy in life, are already there if you're just willing to sacrifice and just follow what the Lord has to say. Also, if you're here tonight and you're lost, there's but one sacrifice that you've got to do tonight. And that sacrifice is to swallow the pride that you've got 
see your condition and know that you're lost. And to know that there's nothing you can do. No matter how much you try, there's nothing you can do. Without Jesus, you're going to die and go to hell. That's just straight fact. Without Him, you're going to burn in the depths of hell. By default, that's where you're headed. But if you'll swallow the pride and, and quit trying to say, well, Lord, I've tried to do this. And Lord, I've tried to do that. And Lord, I've prayed. You get rid of the eyes. And say, Lord, it's all You. Lord, You said in John 3.16 that whosoever believes in You should not perish but have everlasting life. You said that if I'd have faith in You, that I would be saved. So Lord, if I die and I go to hell tonight, it's because You let me. Because You said if I have faith in You, then I wouldn't go there. You know, that's the exact same thing I told the Lord the night I got saved. And immediately I realized, you big old dummy, that's all He's ever asked you to do. Is just have faith in Him. He's already said it's done. He died on that cross thousands of years ago that you could be saved. That part's already done. The price has already been paid. It's just the fact that you believe it and you accept it in your heart. Not by confession of the mouth, but by the heart. That you believe that in your heart. That He died for you to pay for those sins. That you can have an everlasting life. That's what John 3.16 says. And if you'll believe that, you can be saved tonight. That's all it takes. So if you're willing to sacrifice that little bit of pride and quit, quit, quit saying the I's and the me's and the what else and just surrender to the Lord, you can be saved tonight. That's the truth. I can't tell you any plainer than that. If you'll just trust Him. You know, those that are saved, if we'll just trust Him. Same outcome. Tonight, what are you willing to sacrifice? Let me the message. If you have a burden on your heart, you come while we stand. I know the hardest part for me when I was little was trying to walk up that aisle. I wasn't willing to sacrifice my pride to come up and say, Preacher, I want you to pray for me. But you know what happened? The preacher came to me instead. I said, Son, you know the Lord? I wasn't expecting that. Tonight, don't be afraid to come up here. Don't be afraid to go to one of these other preacher brethren. They're just good old men. They're good guys. They love you. They love to pray for you. If you lost, you come.
everyone here tonight, good Lord. Lord, I just pray that you would cleanse the message from any errors. Lord, I just pray that you could help each and every one here. Lord, I pray that the message would hit the intended target, Lord, the heart that you've had it for, Lord. I just pray that whatever it may be, Lord, whatever sacrifice that, that they're not willing to give up, Lord, that they'd be willing and, and realize that sacrificing things for you is well <coughs> worth it in the end. Lord, I know even on this earth we may not see it, Lord, but we know in the, uh, when the time comes, Lord, when we're in, in eternity, Lord, it'd be so worth it if we're just willing to sacrifice. Lord, I pray that you'd help me that I'd ever be willing, that I'd always have faith that whatever it is that you ask me to do, that I'd be willing to sacrifice and do exactly what it is you tell me to do. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to have that strength and that kind of faith. Lord, not only me, I know there's other brethren here, but I know they desire that same, uh, that same faith for the Lord. I want to pray that you help each and every one. And I want to pray keep us safe throughout the night as we travel home. Lord, we pray most of all for those that may be lost here tonight. Lord, I pray that they could uh, see just how easy it is to trust you and be saved. And Lord, to know that they could be saved right now. They don't have to wait. And Lord, I pray that you'd help them. Burn their hearts until they until they finally decide to come to you and if they would surrender. And Lord, just pray that you'd be with us throughout the rest of the revival. Just things asking you for your word. Well, I really didn't know what to expect tonight, but I believe Brother Jason has defined Christ-like in every way it could be defined. We, we think of Abraham and how God put that choice before him and he chose the Lord and would follow through on the sacrifice and God knew it. But God had followed through on Jesus, sacrificing his only son for me and for you. The greatest sacrifice. The truth can never be told. The love there can never be described. We're certain to pray this has been a blessing to all that has been here. Uh, anything from anyone before we go? Man, I'd like to invite everyone to set this day aside. Many Receive blessings from meeting together and coming together. I'm going to read tonight in the book of Acts, mostly in chapter 11. There was a, there was a great, great controversy in the early church, and and that concerned uh, adding Gentiles, adding. Someone that was a non-Jew into the church. And many, many people want to uh, try to say that the church was just a temporary replacement until God comes back and does something with the Jews. But the Jews are the people that... Uh, that God set aside. He chose a family and He grew them into a great nation. He pulled them out of Egypt and set them aside in the world. Not to mix and not to mingle with any of the other world. And, and what God was doing was showing us a picture of the church, how the church is to remain separate from the world. And, and God did all this, and the, the ones that were true to God, to His Word, 
remain separate, but many, many of them went their own way. Many of them wanted to be like the nations around them. That was one of the problems they faced when they decided they wanted a king. Before King Saul was appointed, they uh, wanted to be like all the other nations. Well, I, I see today where the church is wanting to be like all the other churches, adopting everything that comes along. But to the Israelites, or that nation, pertaineth the promises given to Abraham, pertaineth the covenant given to them in the, in the form of the law and of the Ten Commandments, and to the Israelites pertain the adoption. Now the adoption is uh, simply that anybody that would trust in Jesus Christ could become an Israelite. Uh, there was a few examples given. The, the most notable one would have to have been Ruth. Ruth was a Moabitess. Ruth was one that was from a, a people and a nation separate from Israel. And she was a Gentile, a Gentile of Gentiles, you might say. But she married an Israelite man and then he died. Well, that was for sure going to leave her out in the cold again. But she chose to stay with Naomi, her mother-in-law. She told her, where you go, I'll go. Uh, whatever your people are, I'll be your people, and uh, your God will be my God. And she came back to Israel with Naomi, and for all intents and purposes, she became an Israelite, just as much an Israelite as an Israelite could be. She, uh, she become in the line of secession, uh, to King grandmother to King David, who was also uh, uh, an ancestor to Jesus Christ. So you see, it's not that they were excluded totally; it's that the Israelites were excluded from the world. But the world wasn't necessarily excluded from Israel, uh, because to Israel pertaineth the adoption. Now the same thing happened to Rahab. Rahab became an Israelite. So, but those things always gave the Jews of biblical times troubles. It didn't matter that it was prophesied by Isaiah and Ezekiel and Amos, a few others, or maybe all of them, that, that God would send his son and that he would be a light unto the Gentiles. Not only a light to Israel, Jesus was to be a light to the Gentiles. That's in the Old Testament, several scriptures. It didn't, it didn't seem to make a bit of difference with them even though they could go back to those prophets and read their prophecies, but still they... Uh, they clung to their traditions. They, they clung to themselves, very clannish. In, in fact, in chapter 10, verse 28, when Peter went to Cornelius' house, the, one of the first things he said to them, and he said unto them, ye know how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company <laughs> 
or come unto one of another nation. That was an unlawful thing. That, that was something that was not legal at all. Uh, they, they had been commanded not to do that. And, and it was written to keep themselves separate. But, but it was never written to keep other nations from coming in one by one because there were other examples given when the servants or, or people that were hired could come and be just as Israelites if they adopted Israel's ways and Israel's God. He said, But God had showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Uh, wouldn't, wouldn't you think as, as uh, knowledgeable by now that Peter had been about the work of Jesus Christ, how, how he, he had met and talked with the centurion who was a Roman captain, and, and other things that Jesus did, wouldn't you think that Peter's mind and heart could go back to the old time prophets and see that they did say that Christ would come to be a light of the Gentiles also? I, I don't know. I know that no matter what people are told, even straight out of the Bible, those that have their minds made up already, it will have no effect on them. I've heard that many, many a sermon in my life. And I never really gave it that much credence, but it's true. If someone has a preconceived notion, you, you can trot out Scripture, and many times it won't make a bit of a difference, won't change a thing, because it's already figure it out and that's the way it's going to be but in chapter 11 Peter has come back to Jerusalem from uh, seeing Cornelius and, and the Holy Spirit had come on the group at Cornelius's house and, and it, it shocked and amazed them that the Holy Spirit would go to the Gentiles also in verse 2, And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with, them, with him, saying, Thou wentest in to men uncircumcised, and didst eat with them. Now, Jesus has died. And he shed his blood on the cross for the remission of sin. As some of them had already written, in particular John. I know Peter had read that book. I know Peter had, had heard John and heard him teach and how that John had said that whosoever will trust in Jesus, whosoever. I, I know that Matthew and Mark and all those others had talked about it among themselves, whosoever will. Jesus died for all. But they just couldn't let go of their, their own little nation's beliefs. And now here's Peter. He's been made a believer. It's been made known to him. But he's coming back to Jerusalem. And he's coming to the apostles and the brethren in Jerusalem. And the first thing they do is slam him on the head with it. Peter... You went and ate with sinners. You went and ate with Gentiles. Don't you know better? 
etc., etc. And uh, but Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded it by order unto them. He told them the entire story and what God had showed him. And then, verse 15, he said, And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them, as on us, at the beginning. Now that had to have shocked them. These were men clinging to the old ways so hard. They were clinging to the times before. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said... John indeed baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us who believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? Now that's been a problem with mankind all down through the ages. We, we get it in our heads, a notion... And whether or not it's right or not, we cling to it. And, and sometimes we're standing against God, even in our own selves. Some of you men have told me stories of people that have done that. Uh, we can't stand against God. We can't even uh, we we can't even argue with God. I want to start in nineteen and read just a little bit. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenix and Cyprus and Antioch preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, Cyrene which when they were come to Antioch spake unto the Grecians preaching the Lord Jesus. Now these were Jews that had come to the, to the Feast of Pentecost. These were Jews that had heard Peter preach, had heard the apostles uh, preach in their own language, which they were dispersed from the first ten tribes and were assimilated into other peoples and other lands. But still they made that journey to Jerusalem every year that they could. Now they were men that were living in those different countries and now they've been scattered and they've gone back. And when they've gone back, they're preaching to other people of Cyprus, Cyprus and Antioch or Cyprus and Cyrene. Now, when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians. They spake unto the Grecians. Not the Jews in Grecia, but they spake to the Grecians also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Now, this is a great transition in the time of Israel. Not only was the law being replaced, the law being nailed to the tree upon Christ's death, the priesthood being done away with, Christ himself dying for the sins of all people in the world, 
their, their old traditions starting to fade away, their old law and their old ceremonies fading away. God has established a new covenant with them. And if that's not enough, now all of a sudden the good Lord's opened the door for the Gentiles to join with them. Then tidings of these things came into the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. I guess we could call that the mother church, couldn't we? And they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. Now Barnabas, of course, the scriptures tells us in verse 24, he's a good man. Good man, full of the Holy Ghost. But now these tidings, these, this news had come to them in Jerusalem. We don't know how long it took, but it, it can't have taken just a day or two or a cell phone call. It, it's, it had to travel by land with caravans. Or, or any way that the word got out. So it, it, this was going on for quite a while. But they sent forth Barnabas, Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came and had seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith and much people was added unto the Lord. Now, one thing that, uh, that Barnabas is aware of here, that not only are, are the dispersed Jews doing the proclaiming of God, they're not preachers, but they're dispersed, they're disciples of Jesus. But they're bringing it, and, and, and the way that they're doing it, they're bringing it to the Gentiles. The Gentiles are getting wind of this, and many of them are believing. Now Barnabas didn't go back to Jerusalem. He departed there, and he went looking for Saul. Now Saul was the one that had been converted, and he had already met with the, uh, with the apostles at Jerusalem once and assured them that he was appointed by God, by Jesus himself, to go to the Gentiles. So Barnabas understands that. He's not, he's not going to bow down to traditions. He's not going to bow down to the way it always was. He's going to let God lead the way. Then departed Barnabas to Sarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Now, when, when Barnabas got back to Antioch, he went to Tarsus. I don't know how long that trip took. I don't know how far away it was. But when he came back with Paul or Saul, they stayed with the church. The whole, now there was a church in Antioch, wasn't there? Well, anytime there's a bunch of people that are believed and baptized and they come together as a group, they're called out of the world and they're called to separate themselves from the world and they meet together, they're called church. And that's the way we've always done this thing. 
Now, we know that there's a, there's a church that is all across the world. This, this universal church business is misused, but that the church that is all across the world is composed of local assemblies or local churches. It's still part of the main church. It's still part of the church of Jesus Christ. But now Barnabas had already had enough understanding and enough uh, leadership with the Holy Ghost dwelling within him to know to get Paul. Go. Go find Paul. This is the place. This is the place where there's many Gentiles. This is the place where Paul has already stated that God had called him to minister and preach to the Gentiles. And I'm going to get him. He didn't go back to Jerusalem at that time. But they stayed a year. after They both stayed a year, and I don't know how long Barnabas was with them before that. Uh, I guess maybe somebody has figured it out. But I know he had to take a trip down to Tarsus, and then had to leave, get Paul, leave there and go back to Antioch and then preach and teach with the church a whole year. And there stood up one of them named Agabus and signified by the Spirit that there should be great dearth throughout all the world which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. Now we see the church beginning to help other churches. We see a church that was composed mostly of Gentiles or former Gentiles, and, and they had been hated all these many centuries by the Jews, but they've been made known to understand that there was a famine and that the, that the brethren in Judea were in trouble. So they gathered up all that they could gather up, whether it was goods, whether it was money, whether it was trading items, whatever it was, and they, they made a gathering and they decided to send to uh, Judea by Barnabas and Saul. That's God in action, isn't it? God can break the barriers down. God can break the hearts down. And He showed us over and over and over in Scripture how He does that. And there's many places where God broke barriers down. But just as fast as God put barriers up or, or breaks them down, mankind tries to put them right back up. Now, it wasn't very long from here that, that Jerusalem sent a group of men to Antioch and, and Peter was with the Gentiles, the converted Gentiles there, eating with them. And, and when he saw them come, he, he had a little fear in him. That, that they would get on to him for dining with the Gentiles for, for uh, I guess you'd call it uh, just associating with them. And he moved over to the, where the Jews were in the same room. And that's when Paul got on to him about it. 
Wasn't long though. And then it wasn't long before certain ones came from uh, Judea and tried to bring in circumcision back into the church. You see, we face these things all the time. We face these traditions. But God never had them in place in the beginning. God never, what God did was separate the Jews from the world. Now, the world could come in to the Jews just like people like Ruth did, and they could become an Israelite in every sense of the word by taking on the God of the people of Israel. But God never allowed His people to go out into the world and take on their gods. That's, that, was, that was a lot of go, a lot of that was going on back before the, uh, the last of the prophets, that, and God brought trouble on that nation time and time again. They, he called them uh, uh, whoremongers for going out among the peoples of the other land. And there's a couple of occasions that God actually called them Sodom and Gomorrah, called the Israelites that. There was always a remnant that never moved, and they never had their faith shaken, but many, many thousands of them, uh, perhaps we could call that the fringe group, but we know that they uh, tried to assimilate themselves with the people of the world. Well, I, I, I understand that the church tries to do that. Not all the church either, but there's always some within the church, no matter where you are, that, that's trying to, uh, at the very least, trying to accept something of the world into the church. Instead of taking the church into the world, they're wanting to bring the world into the church. Now Peter and the other apostles had been amazed by the, by the change that was coming on them, that the Holy Ghost would actually fall on the Gentiles, that they would be filled with the Holy Ghost. That was not something that, that they ever dreamed would happen. And they, they, had a, they had developed a lot of pride over that. They had developed a lot of things that were uh, anti-God over that that they exclusively were the people of God when even their prophets had told them that Jesus Christ would come and be a light to the Gentiles also. Now I'm going to go to 13 verse 14. Now this is Paul and his company. But when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch and Pisidia, and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. And after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, Ye men and brethren, if ye have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. Now this is Paul and his company, which were Jews. Paul was a Jew, even though he's a Roman citizen. He was in the synagogue, which is composed of Jewish people. It was a place of learning, a place of study, a place of teaching. Then Paul stood up and beckoning with his hand, said, Men of Israel, and you that fear God, give audience. 
The God of this people of Israel chose our fathers and exalted her people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. And with an high arm brought he them out of it. And then <clears throat> down in verse 21, Afterward they desired a king, and God gave unto them Saul, the son of Sis, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, by the space of forty years. <clears throat> and then in verse 22, And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Of this man's seed hath God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. Right out the people of Israel. But to be a light to all nations. You know, we get hung up on this Israel thing. But Jesus was to be a light to all nations. Now many of these people here that, uh, that heard Paul this day got irritated. Verse 26, Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God, to you is the word of this salvation sent. For they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voices of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. And though they found no cause of death in him, yet desired they Pilate that he should be slain. And you know those men, and what's on my heart really, I'll just get to it and get it on out of the way. Those men that were leaders of the Jews, they, they could go back and read in the prophets how that Jesus was coming. Moses had prophesied that He would come from among them. He would be raised up from among them. And that, that they were to listen to Him. That He would be their leader. And then Isaiah spoke of Him. Others spoke of him. Now if they had humbled themselves and gone back in time and had searched the scriptures of the prophets, they could have understood that Jesus Christ is here now. He's here. He's the one that we're, we're hating. He's the one that we're wanting to put to death. But the Son of God is here. The Messiah has come. We're no different, are they? Are we in our day and age? Now they, as they didn't look back and didn't search the scriptures, and as they held themselves above and beyond everything, people of this day, they can't see Jesus. They can't see God in His glory. They're lost and undone. But even many that come to know God, don't go back all those many years to when all this was written. Don't go back and study the Word of God to see what's right and to see what's wrong. Now because the 
Pharisees and the chief priests wouldn't go back and the scribes and, and dig out the very evidence that Jesus was to come we're the same way as they are because many today won't go back to this book and look back in time to see where Jesus did come. And He did come for all. He didn't come just for Israel. He came so that all who believed could receive eternal life. That the first resurrection was being saved from death unto life. And that's a problem or rather, that's a stumbling block. That no matter where we are in this world today, we face that. It's something about man that whatever they assume is what they believe. And these men, they put Jesus on the cross, but they didn't look back to their prophets. And now people today scorn Jesus, but they never look back to see what all He did. They just scorn Him. Just automatically. And then we face the same thing that they faced then. Uh, I believe it was uh, Solomon writing in Ecclesiastes. He said there's no new thing. What we face today is not new. The, the same thing we face today. The apostles faced it. Jesus faced it. They faced that old hard-headed nature of mankind that won't accept a change, won't accept something new. These men wouldn't look back to where their prophets prophesied and men today won't look back to where Jesus came. Won't try to understand it. Won't try to accept it. And, and that notion is becoming more widespread year by year. Very seldom do you see people humble themselves and, and trust in Jesus Christ anymore. There was a time when they did. But the time now is that they won't look back. Everything is going along just fine. And it would behoove us, us that are saved every day, to look back into God's Word. Look back at this time when Jesus came. All the suffering that was done after He ascended all the heartache the early church went through. But God's words never stopped. God's church has never faltered. God's church is still here today. It'll be here when we're gone. It doesn't matter if we accept it or not, does it? It doesn't matter in this world today right now who or who will not have Jesus Christ. A hundred years from now, if this world's still here, there'll still be churches carrying on somewhere. It would behoove all, all, all people to just be willing to look back like these men would not. These men wouldn't look back to the promises of their Messiah. And today, people won't look back to the true accounts of Him coming and what all happened to make the church what it is today. Just a simple thought on my heart. But all this was going on and they wouldn't look back in their prophecies to see that uh, Christ was coming for all people, not just the Israel. The chief priests wouldn't look back to see that the Messiah was coming and how He was coming. Wouldn't accept it. And today it's no different. It's the same thing. 
We just face it with different people. We don't face different ideas. We face different people. And they're all the same. Brother Mike, let's have a verse of the song.